Welcome to the Cashflow Canucks podcast, where Canadian entrepreneurs and investors come to learn about wealth creation. Experts in their fields will join your host, Peter Lount, to share their successes, challenges, and discuss opportunities. Join me and my guest, Gordon Shepard, as we talk about why it's important to create useful educational content for your business. Gordon is the CEO of Expert Training Solutions that helps companies and organizations produce and market engaging online trainings. He's going to walk us through the process of developing an e-learning platform. Welcome and enjoy. All right, today on Cashflow Connects, we have Gord Shepard. Gord, welcome. Good to be here. Thanks for joining the uh, community to talk a little bit about yourself and your journey. Can you um, maybe start with what you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Gordon Shepard. I'm the CEO of Expert Training Solutions. And one of the things that we do is we help organizations to save time and money with their online training production. So there's a lot of organizations that have to do training for whoever it is, their customers, for their uh, employees. Uh, if you're an association, maybe you're doing it for your members. Um, and you've, you've got to get into online training. There's kind of no choice about it these days, especially post-COVID. It's something that everyone's kind of kind of deal with. And what I've found uh, sort of in the marketplace is a lot of folks sort of get on to thinking about the online course itself but they don't think about all sort of the bells and whistles that go on from end to end uh, around it. So often they'll build a course, but they won't think about marketing, whether that's kind of internal or external. Uh, they may not be thinking about maintenance down the road and you know how, how to get things to kind of last for five and 10 years if they actually get something produced. So our approach is very thorough. We start with strategy first and we take them all the way through and you know walk alongside them every step of the way to make sure they're successful in delivering online training that has the kind of implications like, you know, you might be having that turnover person on your, your staff who you got to standardize the training and make sure that next person that comes in gets the training. Maybe you've got uh, safety implications. You know, you've got a work site where somebody has to be safer on the job. The training can be very, very important. So it's really nice to be in a time where we combine, again, not only the production of the training, but also the strategy that goes with it to make it really, really successful. Right. And do you have a focus on any specific industry within your company? Have you had certain successes? Uh, we're, we've worked cross industries. So again, uh, I, what do I say? I'm, I'm uh, content agnostic. <laughs> the big thing that we know is how to produce. And so whatever your story is that you're bringing forward, whatever type of training it is, we'll make sure it gets packaged up in the right way uh, into an online course setting that you can then deploy across all your platforms. How has um, the reception been post-COVID? terms of people reaching out to you have been able to have you been able to deal with what's come at you from since then i mean we're here on the zoom call right I, can, yeah. I can't tell you how many clients over the years i've talked to to say hey why don't you get into the zoom workflow you know especially around board meetings and things you can get together they put it off they put it off they put it off COVID hits now they're in right no choice about it and i think that's exactly what's happened in the online uh teaching space there's no choice for certainly anybody going to college, a lot of people going to high school, and a lot of people in their workplaces where they've got to get onto an online education workflow. But in the past, what's happened is they've, you know, they've got experience, say, uh, paying for a corporate video, but nobody watched it. Like they put it up on a YouTube channel and, and it's not been seen or used very well. They don't know which um, system to put it on, that kind of thing. So they're having to ramp up very, very quickly. They're going to often, uh, I always say that one of the fatigues is out there is they're going to one contractor at a time. They start with their web guy and they say, well, can you help us out? And then they talk to their digital marketer and they say, well, can you help us out? 
uh, but often they don't know how to kind of pull it all together. So it's fits and bits and starts that they get into. But what they really need is kind of a, an overall plan and the ability to have this online training become really kind of a, a value driving asset within their organization for years and years to come. And I, I would hope that's the philosophy that most people are taking these days. But the COVID thing has simply accelerated the whole process. There's just, it's like word processing was years and years ago. You know, you go from typewriters to word processing, it forced people into that zone. I think people are now being forced into this e-learning space and they need to do it really, really well. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess there's, um, so you, you mentioned you do the strategy, you can do all the, all the components. People come to you with components, I guess they, you can help them piece it together. But in terms of um, yourself, when you create that, it's almost like you're creating a foundation for an e-learning platform for people too. So if they, they're creating internal, you know that the, the data, the information, the education is always going to be evolving over time. So I guess that's part of the strategy too. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm, I'm so glad you're bringing that foundational piece up. I think a lot of people don't spend enough time in the planning stage really to, I, I love what I call the talk is cheap phase where you sit down and you say, well, what are the goals of this e-learning objective. Let's say it was to train a staff member because you know you're bringing staff members, say, through a specific role. You know you don't have the time to do the in-person training anymore. Well, pretty quickly on the strategy side, you say, well, what's the cost benefit of investing in e-learning? Well, if you're spending how many man hours, you know, training that person live and in person, you can simply start to add up those man hours over time. And if it's a lot, this certainly happens for nonprofits in volunteer training, for example. If it's a lot of hours, then you can immediately say, well, what if we invested those hours and actually creating one e-learning, you know, uh, asset that could be then deployed to many, many people. The other thing that you mentioned in there, which I thought was great, was uh, something that needs to be changed over time. I'm, I can tell you the one of the things that's happened for producers of, of e-learning is they often have done it once in the past and then the clients got it, but they want to change it, but it's going to cost a lot more money. Well, these days I'm hoping that people are taking on platforms and tools and an approach where they have that flexibility as their content changes. This really happens a lot, say in the safety space where, you know, provincial legislation will change. They've got to make a change to their e-learning, but how flexible has it been designed at the beginning to know that you can actually go in and make that change simply. So we back all the way up to that sort of I love getting it like one sheet of uh, paper out of the printer. You get that one sheet and you actually start to map out the workflow and all the different stages along the way. And it gives the client sort of the high level view that they need without running down too deeply down any one rabbit hole. But certainly the senior leaders that are about to, you know, spend the 30, 50, 100, $300,000 on an e-learning program, they need to spend a lot of time on this one piece of paper, get it right. And so then they'll know how to budget for every aspect of the cycle along the way. Is that uh, the best way you see to recommend to get started for anyone? Just start with that. Well, the crazy thing is people are saying, Gord, why are you talking about our, you know, organizational mission statement and vision statement at the front end of this? We, I thought we were talking about e-learning. What I'm trying to do is make sure that whatever your strategic objectives are, let's say profit, you know, profit raised by 30% was your, one of your key goals for the year. How is this e-learning going to drive that profitability? You're either going to save money or if it's a customer deployment, you're actually going to help you earn money because you can charge for the course itself because you've got the experts, you know how to do that. If we can go all the way back to that review of the strategic plan and then take out the goals that are related to your e-learning program and know that those goals are being moved forward by your e-learning program, that's where it starts to get real strength. And that's where you don't get kind of sticker shock. I'm mentioning those numbers up front around what e-learning really costs. Again, you can do something on 
on your phone for next to nothing and kind of get it out the door. But as soon as we're talking about any organization that wants it to be a big part of a driver of a key goal, you're immediately into costs. And more importantly, you have to imagine how many internal I'm going to say man hours, people hours, whatever you want to call it, are going to get eaten up by this e-learning thing. And you have to know those two things in advance. You want to be able to drive your key goals. And you want to make sure that when you go to budget for this, you're not budgeting over another priority that's more important. So if you know that this is in line with your key goals and it can flow all the way through, then it's got a good chance to have a sustainable long-term sort of solution for your profitability, as opposed to what happens is people get all excited. Like, let's, let's make the course, let's build the full course. They get it built, six months go by, 12 months go by, and then they start to market. And then they get it out to, out to market and someone says, well, it's broken. And then they pay for maintenance. They haven't simply done that simple planning up front to make sure that everything's going to flow through. And is there an ideal size of where to start? Whether I'm talking about, it could be internal, it could be external, whatever they're doing. But in terms of, you know, working with a company like yourself, you know, what size of a company would, would look towards your type of service? Well, it's funny because most folks are getting into some sort of put something up on YouTube. So I'm going to say right from the smallest size company, but I would say you're getting into sort of, you know, if you've got a, a couple dozen employees or you're dealing with some sort of, you know, group of people in that 30 to 50 range, you're certainly starting to consider this. And then as you go up from there, of course, you're going to have on, you know, ongoing training needs. I mean, one of the crazy stats that come, has come out is, you know, there's 42% of companies that are investing in e-learning are seeing profit increases. This is, these are the folks that are getting down to measuring on a per employee basis or on a leadership basis. They know that they're, if they're investing in this area, they're going to make money back. So it can go from small to large. The large deployments in terms of, you know, the thousands, uh, in those types of organizations, that gets very robust. That means they've got more of an internal team. If you're a smaller organization, you've got to really rely on external people, external contractors. And the tough part is, which ones do you pick? Did you get burned in the past by that uh, search engine optimization fella that came by and charged X number of thousands where you were hoping customers were going to fly in the door? Did it really work? How do you find a trusted partner that knows enough about this area? Hopefully it's someone on your board. Hopefully it's someone on your staff, but who can really then go out to those contractors and say, what do you, you know, why are you showing me something here that's again going to cost 30 and $50,000 and make sure that you can get it justified all the way through. I think that's really important. Okay. I'm going to take a couple steps back, back to the beginning of this. Yeah. Um, why are you doing this? What got you into it? What's your journey look like to, to be here? I've been today? kicking around the vision statement for my own company. And the idea is to inspire and bring lifelong learning to every organization in the world. And it comes from a basic premise. I have a, a statement that I wrote to myself in 1996. And my goal was simply to help people. And for the style that I've developed and the leadership development ability that I have, and now this strategy piece that is bolted in after doing formal training through an MBA and this kind of thing, and combining that with a communications career over 20 plus years, the reason that I do this is to help people. But the way that I feel is the best way to help people is to empower their organization to work at the highest possible level. Because if the organization is running well, then everybody inside is going to benefit, their customers will benefit, and certainly their community will benefit as well. And so that's where I like to be, is working right alongside the senior leaders, the chief learning, oper you know, chief learning officer, the uh, head of HR, 
And how do we help them then to use this training component to empower their people to do their jobs at a better level, so they earn more money, they're happier. I mean, it's just, I get super excited and I could talk certainly for hours and hours and hours about this basic philosophy, but that I would say in a nutshell, that's about it. And so that's, and so you can probably connect the dots in terms of your, your career in communications and all those pieces that have built you to where you are today. Was there any, what was the moment that made you sh- make that shift to the entrepreneurial side of things? Um, I was in the TV business and the reality is in 2012 for me, uh, as soon as you started watching Netflix and Blockbuster went down the tubes, the advertising dollars were gone in the TV business. And I actually got packaged out in 2012. Uh, before that, reading the tea leaves, I in 2009, at the age of 42, there I was writing midterms in a master's degree, doing an MBA uh, at the University of Alberta. And I couldn't believe I was back there. And I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if it wasn't for one of the teachers that was there, who, when he drew the organizational chart up on the board, I sort of immediately understood it. And it put a lot, filled in a lot of blanks for me that I'd had over my, again, communication TV career and started to pull that together. So when I started at Entrepreneurial about eight years ago, it really was to work with senior leaders on the strategy piece. And then the inevitable thing that's happened now, again, COVID sort of caused as well, is pulling then together my whole experience to do educational, uh, helping people with educational learning, which I used to do 20 years ago, except that was the time we had all the gears and all the camera and all the people. Now they're in your hands, they're in the business owner's hands, and I can be the conduit that not only again, delivers the educational piece, but pulls it together and it suits my sort of internal philosophy as well. And so you've taken us through the mission statement, your vision. What is next for you? I think getting out to help more and more organizations do this right. Um, Getting in to deal with the senior leadership teams who are, they're either not setting aside budget for e-learning and training and they need to get some help in figuring out how to do that. Maybe it's on the nonprofit side. I've also worked with associations and nonprofits as well. And their boards are coming together and those volunteer boards, they're often doing what they know, they do what they do in earnest, but they don't have the information that they need to pull this all together. So they're deploying resources. It could be volunteer resources, people, time, money, or whatever. And they're sort of simply not doing it in an efficient manner. So I think I've found kind of this nice package of not just producing the e-learning and not just doing strategy, but pulling those things together to reach as many organizations as I can to empower them to go back to, again, if they get this right, they're going to have a better chance to serve themselves, be happier, and serve their community as well. Where do you see is kind of the biggest gap for people who are not doing it? Is it just they don't see it themselves? They don't think they need to go online? Or is it people who just don't know how to get started? I it, it's, a, it's a variety, but certainly what we have here is um, sometimes leaders have imposter syndrome. So you're the head of marketing, you're the head of communications, you are... Uh, maybe the owner of your company. And you think you should know a few things about this area, but the reality is you don't have the full checklist in mind and you don't know where to start. Well, you show up and that digital marketer walks in the door or I had a client where we switched out their website provider because the website provider was sending them proposals that my client couldn't read. And they didn't, the client was never going to have enough years in their life to get away from their specialty to learn 
what they needed to learn about websites. They just knew their website, they didn't like it. They didn't, they couldn't describe why or what the problem was. So then we were able to switch out that provider. So I think some of these leaders are getting caught up in a bit of uh, themselves. They don't want to admit when they're in that moment, when they're reading the proposal or they're not sort of seeing something to say, you know, hold, I want to put my hand up here and say, I, I don't understand. I don't, I'm never in it. I don't have enough lifetimes to understand search engine optimization and keywords and um, learning management systems and all these key decisions in, in a very complicated process. So they kind of get hung up there. Or sometimes they'll get focused on one area, but not on the whole package. So you've got content developers who really get excited about developing their course. They can write out modules and lessons and they're excellent trainers, but then they haven't combined that with marketing. So they build a beautiful course but no one ever sees it. I mean, it, there's a sea in Coursera of courses that nobody will ever see because someone hasn't taken the time to set up what I'm going to call like a, a free or organic marketing approach, which then helps you get set up to lead to a paid approach to reach really the widest audience possible. So because there are so many moving parts, uh, they're maybe not seeing the full picture. They're seeing part of the picture or they're getting stuck where they don't want to admit that they don't know and they sign something and then suddenly they're deploying dollars and they're putting things out there. This happens in a lot of customized uh, systems. So they've got a learning management system that instead of taking something off the shelf that they can sort of bolt into and do some experimenting with and get started, they'll suddenly be spending literally hundreds of thousands of dollars on a customized package. Well, if that company that's delivering the customized package isn't available in five years, what happens to all your learning assets that you spent so much effort in getting up to get running? Right. Yeah. Platform agnostic is definitely uh, important. And uh, yeah, it just takes me back to when I practice infinite banking with my clients every day, I think big thing where we find that mind shift with them is really getting, not getting caught up in the product, but really the process, right? It's so important to everything you do. It doesn't matter if you have the best product, the best SEO, best whatever it is. If you don't have a process to it, you're going to run into these, these roadblocks. And Well, and I'll bet with your clients, if what happens when they skip a step? You can have the best tool in the toolbox, but you, if you're not using it right, you know what's going to happen, right? They're they're gonna they're gonna leave it. They're gonna do. They're gonna move on to something else. They're gonna that money's gonna be thrown away. Something like that. Like it's just it's not gonna run. That's why you need to work with, you know, well from my philosophy anyways. It's it's like a we we teach we coach right. That's all part of the process too right. It's not just set you up and here you go right. And that that's what it sounds like with you guys in terms of how you teach. Your clients. Totally. And I think any of these processes often have sort of a, a number of, you know, three, four, five steps to them that if you can spend the time to help the clients understand that, they've got a really a better chance at success. I know I can just, I'll mention mine. Mine are, it's plan, prove, um, promote, perf, uh, produce, and perform. And I'll just, it's funny, I, I'm, I'm saying them out loud to, to, I'll bet there's parallels in this, in the process that you would have, but the planning one we've talked a lot about already, the one I'm, one of the ones I'm really excited about that a lot of people don't do is the proving one. And this is this idea of developing a proof of concept. So instead of building like a, a full signature course that takes a lot of development time, can we take a little piece of it and create like a five minute video, a thousand word blog post and send it to real people, your staff, your customers, and get real 
feedback. Don't just sit in your bubble and say, we're wonderful. It's going to be great. And everyone's going to love it. Actually produce a piece of it, send it out, get real feedback and find out if the need is there. Then you can start to do your cost benefit analysis to see what's going on. That proof of concept phase, I can't say enough about, I've got a big stop sign right there at the end of that phase that says, when you get the real world feedback, do you have sort of the discipline, the humility to listen to it? Because some people want to ignore it. If they don't get their bias affirmed, they'll still keep trudging forward. And suddenly they're producing again a full course that doesn't get used. But if doing that little piece gets out there and you get feedback and people are like, no one's going to use this or the title's wrong or whatever that is, well, suddenly you're in that experimental agile phase, right? You're doing version one and version two and version three. You're not trying to get it perfect out of the gate. That's a great step for people to do. And again, for me in these five steps, after this one that we do the proof of concept, we get into promotion. And that's where we're tackling, you know, having some sort of approach to marketing. Because often, again, the people that are good at content aren't good at marketing. So they need to get those things pulled together. And of course, we move forward down the steps as well. But uh, what are the steps in your process? In terms of us, we're, it, it's really an investment of time. I think that's where why we're even talking to, right? Is my focus is really on entrepreneurs and investors. And, and my journey was about you know, like I was in corporate world for 20 years and I came out of it thinking that, you know, the system was going to take care of me, but realizing when I came out that, no, you have to really invest your time. There's no get rich quick scheme out there. Right. And so to understand how, how we work, we, we want to put our clients to work, right. They have to invest themselves. Right. And it's not like, and I'm sure it's the same with you, right. You're not just saying like, here's the, here's the plan, go to it nothing's a straight line, right? So it's, it takes some time to, to understand and um, invest your time. And we do start, you're right. It is in a way you could say as a proof of concept, we start people in a place that they're comfortable with, see how it works and then grow your system from there. Um, so very similar from that standpoint. And well, I'll, I'll jump in and ask, are you, after this podcast, are you going to edit it? Absolutely. <laughs> right. Here's the thing. Editing now is an essential skill. And so yes. I'll tell you about a client who wanted to jump the gun. They said to me, um, Gord, I, I've got an assistant. I, uh, I bought the, uh, there's, a, there's a fancy one called the, the Adobe Premiere Suite. You pay like, I don't know, 60, 70 US a month or whatever. It's, it's wonderful. It's very good editing software. There's cheaper ones, but whatever, it's a good one. And he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm paying this monthly fee. Why can't my assistant edit yet? And it was because I, I said, well, immediately I'm like, well, did you give them like 80 to 100 hours to learn how to use the editing software? And he's like, what for? <laughs> and so this thing of instant results, which I'm sure happens financially in the financial advisory world, it happens for companies too. So it's interesting that there's a crossover here that you could benefit from either, either way, making sure that you slow down and invest the time to understand what's going on and, uh, and make sure you get the program. Right. And I think it doesn't work for anybody. It, and that's where we get into, in, before we even get to the process, unless someone's willing to put in the time, we were, we figure out if there's a basis to work together or not. Right. If you're not willing to right. put in the time, then there's probably not a fit to work. Well, and they're not going to be successful. Uh, they're, no. they're looking for that sort of quick fix. And of course, you know, 
the the path is laden with uh, all those gravestones of people that have made poor financial errors. And I can tell you again, in the e-learning space, there's a, just a zillion pieces of content that people think are brilliant. They have it in their mind. They don't have it out the door. They got it out the door and four people watched it on YouTube. They're just in that kind of jam. So I, I'm so glad to hear that crossover in philosophy. And, and it sounds like you're practicing at that same high level every day with your clients. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Gord, as we uh, wrap this up, I just wanted to, um, one is thank you for your time, for sharing your story and how you're yeah. helping, um, you know, your history in terms of how you got to be where you are, but then how you're helping companies right now. I think it's so important for people to be so aware of things like this. People who weren't even looking at e-learning are now it's at the forefront and it's not just about getting a product. It's about the process of, of doing it. So how can people get in touch with you uh, if they're interested in learning more? Yeah, there's a couple things. Um, just go to expert training solutions at solutions with an S.com, expert training solutions.com. And today I uh, set up a free download. Uh, if they go to expert training solutions forward slash um, workbook download, put those two words together, uh, they'll get a copy of a 15 page kind of workbook and resource guide. It's an outline and in there, but you would see again, we mentioned the these five steps I mentioned today, those are in there. There's sort of, you know, there's blanks to fill in that you can give some thought to that if you actually watch this episode of your podcast, combined it with that workbook, you'll get a chance to actually start to fill out those ideas. And the last page is really a solid resource page for all the things that you might need to know around recommendations of websites for keywords or uh, where to get editing software that's affordable or which learning management system to choose. I mean, there's all kinds of good resources in there. So I hope people take advantage of that. Right. Awesome. Thank you again and uh, wish you all the best. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Thank you for taking time to listen to the Cash Canucks podcast. You'll be able to find out more about our guests and how to connect with them in the show notes for this episode. Would you like to learn the secret way savvy investors and smart entrepreneurs are turning their expenses into positive cash flow? Then you want to read the Infinite Banking Concept book. For a limited time, I am giving away free copies of this book valued at $30. If you want a copy, just email me, Peter, with the subject line book to peter at cashflowcanucks.ca. Again, if you want a free copy of the Infinite Banking Concept book, just email me at peter at cashflowcanucks.ca with the subject line book and your mailing address, and I'll send you a copy. You'll finally understand how the wealthy elite is turning everyday expenses into cash flow. Just email me at peter at cashflowcanucks.ca.